Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to episode 54 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman, and I welcome you back to another week of Talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. I am available everywhere where you get your preferred podcast platforms, and we all you listen to all your other podcast shows, from Apple Podcasts to Google to Spotify and everything in between. Please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star rating or review wherever you can as well, as it greatly helps out the podcast being spread out through all the corners of the world for all the creatures of the night to enjoy. And after you are done doing that, please make sure to follow me on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan and on Twitter at CollectUpDead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Collecting Dead Man. Now with all the formalities out of the way, I just want to thank you for joining me here for another week. Um, a very special week. It is one week until the Hall of Fame induction of The Undertaker and it's also one day removed from The Undertaker's birthday. Uh, so very special, happy belated birthday to The Undertaker who turns 57 this year. Um, you know, just another year older, but you know, he can still go out there, he can still kick ass and still put on a good match if he chooses to. Of course, it doesn't look like he's going to be doing that in the future as of now. Of course, WrestleMania is next week. He is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So you never know what kind of surprises WWE and himself may have in store. Uh, but a very special happy belated birthday to him. And speaking of birthdays for The Undertaker, Randy Turco and myself recorded a very special birthday themed episode yesterday as we uh, kicked off our look back at The Undertaker's gimmick matches. And we kicked it off with one of my favorite matches, uh, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, fully Loaded 1999, the first blood match between The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, just took a look back at everything surrounding this time period, what was going on, how big of a buildup this was made. Um, if the first end of an era match, uh, 13 years before The Undertaker's end of an era Hell in the Cell match with Triple H, and it really felt like a Huge turning point here in the company, uh, you know, Vince McMahon being written off television, uh, The Undertaker shifting his focus from being a singles competitor in the Ministry of Darkness to forming a tag team with Big Show, going into the tag titles, and eventually uh, f becoming the American Badass in the beginning of 2000. And also, you see a shift in Stone Cold's uh, character as well. Uh, he loses the championship the following month to Mankind, uh, becomes a, more of a special enforcer, special referee at the Unforgiven Six-Pack Challenge, and basically is written off at Survivor Series by being run over by that car, written off until the later half of 2000. Uh, so you have a WWF that's changing, focusing more on The Rock and Triple H, less on Stone Cold. Um, the Undertaker changing characters, and this is all centered in this match here that Randy and I took a look at that should be available this weekend for your viewing and listening pleasure. Another uh, watch-along coming your way at the beginning of the week uh, will be a double feature between uh, uh, as Canaanite 10 and myself took a look back at the uh, Raw 
is War Inferno match between The Undertaker and Kane. And also the uh, tag team title match at SummerSlam 1999, The Unholy Alliance of Undertaker and Big Show versus Kane and X-Pac. Uh, so we get to see Kane and I-10's uh, thoughts and views on this match uh, as opposed to what Randy Turco gave uh, last year when uh, he, uh, him and I watched the match. So I, I always like getting a couple of viewpoints, especially from different um, fans who had like different superstars. Of course, you got Randy and I's Undertaker fan response while watching that match. And now you get to see Kane and I-10's fan response as being a Kane fan and what he thought of the match as well. Uh, so that double feature is coming away the beginning of the week. Um, looking forward to having you listen and watch that as well. Uh, but that is what the watch-alongs I have in the pipeline. Of course, I have plenty others being worked out with scheduling conflicts and um, just getting all things uh, together on that. Uh, but it looks like as um, Randy Turco gets more settled into um, after being uh, moving into his new place, looks like we'll be giving you two Randy Turco specials a month. Uh, we're going to be continuing our gimmick matches, look back, and also we're going to be looking back at something different. You know, I always talk about The Undertaker winning championships, but Randy and I are going to take a look back once a month at how he lost those championships as well. So we're not going to see his seven-time winning uh, championships. We're going to see how he lost those seven world titles uh, along with your... The gimmick matches, we're going to take a look back once a month as well. So plenty of fun things coming your way in terms of watch-alongs. I, and, um, I am looking forward to getting all those uh, recorded and available so that uh, you have plenty of more content to listen and watch as well. Uh, so let's get right started. Let's get started into episode 54 with Tales from the Grave. As I take a look back at what's my favorite Undertaker memory this week and the Undertaker news uh, that has come to light since last week's episode. Tales from the Grave. Now, in Tales from the Grave, that's what I talk about my favorite Undertaker memory, or favorite video game memory, a favorite figure hunting memory uh, to go along with it. And any Undertaker figure news or Undertaker news that has come to light in the last cup in the last week since last week's episode. Now we are edging closer to WrestleMania, and of course last week I talked about my first WrestleMania memories because everybody's got their first WrestleMania. I talked about WrestleMania 15, the Home Shopping Network, um, just memories of watching uh, a huge pay-per-view for the first time. And so, as we get one week closer to WrestleMania, I want to talk about my favorite WrestleMania and some favorite WrestleMania memories. And it's so hard, just like choosing an Undertaker match, because it's so hard choosing a favorite WrestleMania. Because you have the Undertaker match to think about, and then you also have all the other matches on the card as well that just make it an overall great experience to re-watch, to relive, and to re-enjoy um, a WrestleMania event. Now, some of you may think, oh, WrestleMania 20, 28 or 29 must be one of my favorites. 
But besides really the Undertaker match on that card, a lot of these WrestleManias are forgettable. Like I use the example of WrestleMania 28, 29, um, 27 even. Undertaker versus Triple H. Those two matches are amazing. Um, you take away those two matches, maybe another match like Rock and Cena jumps out at you in 28. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Triple H jumps out at you in 29. Uh, but The Undertaker and CM Punk steals the show. Undertaker and Triple H both times steal the show. It's like you, you can only pick like a certain match or certain matches to really go back and enjoy. You're not sitting through three hours of a pay-per-view to really enjoy the experience. So that is why I really narrowed it down to like my top three favorite WrestleManias. And that is, you know, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And really talk about my favorite WrestleMania in general. Now my top three favorite WrestleManias to actually go back and enjoy the full event is WrestleMania 14, WrestleMania 17, and WrestleMania 31. A lot of these WrestleManias, they just make you, you know, just enjoy the whole uh, process and the whole event. Uh, WrestleMania 14, you have Michaels and Austin. You have Undertaker and Kane. You have the uh, New Age Outlaws versus the Legion of Doom. You have uh, Rocky Maivia versus Ken Shamrock. You have these big matches that just keep you on the edge of your seat. It makes you, it's fully Attitude Era, fully late 90s, and it just makes you enjoy the event as a whole. And I've always loved going back and watching WrestleMania 14 and just enjoying that whole process of watching, you know, watching this event play out and just, you know, become a kid again. Even though it was not really my first WrestleMania, I was not a fan yet watching wrestling, but I, you know, put yourself back then as a kid and just experiencing WrestleMania 14 with all the glitz and glamour surrounding it. It's just a fun event to just rewatch and just fully enjoy. Now as we get to WrestleMania 17, which of course is my favorite WrestleMania. Uh, it's number one for me and it's number one for a lot of people. I think it's really renowned as being everybody's, mostly everybody's favorite WrestleMania as a whole. And just because of all the amazing matches that they were able to jam-pack into this event. You have the Triple Threat Hardcore Championship with Kane, Big Show, and Raven. You have that gimmick Battle Royal. You have Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon, which is always fun. You have Mick Foley as a special guest referee. You have Trish and Stephanie getting involved. You have Linda McMahon uh, finally getting her revenge on Vince at the end. Um, you have Undertaker and Triple H after first of three Mania matches that was just amazing. It's amazing that they took it out of the ring. They battled in the audience and they showed, you know, that Undertaker and Triple H worked so well together. And Triple H, of course, going down as one of Undertaker's best rivals. Uh, of course, you know, it was announced today that Triple H officially announced his retirement uh, just because of health issues, he can't wrestle anymore. And, you know, it's I, I always love Triple H as a wrestler. He's in my top five. And to hear that, you know, it's really sad uh, because, you know, it's another piece of my childhood uh, retiring and not wrestling and not being able to watch again on TV. But also it's a piece of The Undertaker's history uh, retiring as well. 
uh, Under one of Undertaker's best rivals, and here he puts on a great match with the Undertaker WrestleMania 17. You have Rock and Austin Part Two. Uh, you have all these fun storylines coming to a head here, and just just that whole magnitude of it being in Texas, it having that large audience. Um, it's just an amazing experience. It's amazing to go back and rewatch this event start to finish. You never feel like you're bored. You never feel like um, it, it's not feeling like you're watching a Raw or SmackDown event. It's it's a feels like a WrestleMania and it feels larger than life. Much like WrestleMania 14 on a smaller scale, WrestleMania 17 really amps it up. And even more amped up than WrestleMania 17 is my probably my second favorite WrestleMania, and that's WrestleMania 31. That you see the resurrection of the Undertaker here. Uh, against Bray Wyatt, a great uh, underrated match for The Undertaker. A lot of people write The Undertaker off after the streak. They think after the streak ends, you know, The Undertaker's written off here. And he's not. And this match proves it. He comes back a year later stronger, healthier, looking better than ever, actually. And he puts on a great match with Bray Wyatt. As we'll see at the end of 2015, another good match. Him and Kane against Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper at Survivor Series. The Undertaker-Bray Wyatt storyline is something I wish they would have done more of. Drew it out longer throughout the year. Um, instead of just bookending the year, the WrestleMania and the Survivor Series. I really wish that... Um, you know, we got that great, the two great Lesnar matches at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell. Really wish they would have you know, fit Bray Wyatt in there again. Maybe another match with Taker. Um... Another piece, another promo history or something like that. Because it's a really underrated match. That I don't feel like it gets enough credit. Especially the sit-up and the spider-walk um, moments in that match. And just Undertaker looking better than ever. Uh, especially since the year prior. And you get Sting and Triple H. You get uh, Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. You get Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at the end. Um... You get that awesome Intercontinental title ladder match. It's just a fun event that it really comes close to WrestleMania 17 in my eyes. Just because I love going back and watching WrestleMania 31 and just being enjoyed by it. I remember watching it live in 2015. um, Just being, you know, just enjoying the moment, enjoying the pay-per-view. And it's really really one of the best pay-per-views WWE has put out. Uh, in rest, in terms of WrestleMania, uh, in in a long time, I I really in in recent modern WrestleManias, I really liked WrestleMania thirty one, WrestleMania thirty two, and um, I I kind of enjoyed WrestleMania thirty four as well, uh, just the overall experience. But WrestleMania thirty one is really my favorite modern WrestleMania, and WrestleMania seventeen is my favorite Attitude Era uh, WrestleMania. And of course, you know, like I said, you know, there's always runner-ups. You know, you have WrestleMania 14, you have WrestleMania 18 as your more Attitude Era type WrestleManias. And of course, you have WrestleMania 32 and 34 being your more modern WrestleManias. That are always fun for me to go back and enjoy. Uh, But yeah, really no figure hunting memory to coincide with this. Except, you know, just the stuff I've really talked about. You know, around WrestleMania time, you know, you get the new action figures in the store. Uh, especially around WrestleMania 15 and WrestleMania 17. Uh, you had the Bone Crunchers, you had the Titan Trons, 
you know, of the superstars, uh, of how they looked, and you're just finding new stuff. Uh, the Rebellion series, the WrestleMania 17 series, uh, WrestleMania 31, you know, you had the, uh, uh, the, the Undertaker, I think it was the Undertaker, uh, WrestleMania Heritage Elite of him from WrestleMania 7. And you had the Kane WrestleMania Heritage Elite from WrestleMania 2000. Uh, so you always have new figures coming around, out to WrestleMania time. And not only do you have new figures hitting the stores, you also have new reveals. And um, next week, Mattel announced they're going to be uh, showing the new reveals for WrestleMania Access. So that's going to be fun to see if there's any new Undertaker figures planned. Um, I know there was leaked that the Ruthless Aggression Series 2 is going to be Booker T, uh, Triple H, and Rey Mysterio. So Undertaker is not going to be in Ruthless Aggression Series 2. Uh, hopefully he's in Ruthless Aggression Series later down the line. Uh, hopefully getting that chance for a 2006 to 2008 style Undertaker. Um, hopefully we get to see a glimpse of maybe the Superstars Remco line of an Undertaker um, in that line. Uh, but I know that there was something talked about on the Wrestling Figures uh, forum about a new Mattel line coming out called Mattel's Greatest Hits. Um, and it was leaked that Undertaker may be in this line. Uh, it's rumored that it's going to be like all old uh, elites uh, updated. Uh, so it's like Rikishi, Rock, uh, Stone Cold, Undertaker. Uh, it's like names like this from old... Uh, elite series that they're going to update with like the new face technology maybe new accessories so i'm thinking that they may do like elite series one undertaker or elite series eight really those early elites of the undertaker that you know it's not uh present anymore and it's also a different undertaker than what they've released currently so it's something they can update with new technology that will be interesting to see um, if that is revealed next week as well. But Undertaker news, uh, Undertaker did do a couple of podcasts. Uh, he did one called Out of Character uh, with Ryan Satan, uh, which we were astonished to hear that Undertaker is, has no recollection of that famous photo of him standing in that old lady's house posing with her. Uh, it's not his mom. It's not his grandmom that a lot of people under the assumption that it was. Uh, he does not have any recollection of that photo, so it's kind of interesting to uh, hear that backstory. It, it makes it even more, uh, have that um, backstory, even that history behind it, thinking about how, why he was there, who was this lady. So it kind of, it's, it's interesting to see uh, if, a, if a story actually ever does surface about what, who that lady was and why he was there taking a photo with her. Uh, but it's just a, it's just Undertaker being out of character, talking to Ryan, basically talking about the Hall of Fame, talk about his career. Um, nothing really um, out of the ordinary that what he said already in other podcasts and other interviews. Uh, but it was just it's always cool to see Undertaker do podcasts and interviews nowadays. In the True Gordy podcast, where it was more um, focused on Undertaker's personal life, um, Undertaker talking about. Uh, about his son and his kids, uh, his uh, Michelle McCool, um, you know, how he really f uh, feels like um, he didn't uh, live up to being a father when his oldest son was growing up. And he talked about 
how he was able to have a better life now with his kids now and Michelle and how his oldest son really accepted him as a dad again and gave him another opportunity. And he's really appreciative of that. And the son knows about, you know, the career he's lived and he understands what he was doing to make a life for him. And he's really appreciative that he gets to have a second chance of being a father to his eldest son. And, you know, that just gives a, another glimpse inside Undertaker, you know, going behind the curtain and understanding that he has the same struggles that a lot of people do about uh, putting career first over family and then realizing, you know, that the family means more and that you have to really uh, earn your family back. It looks like, you know, he really did uh, a lot of uh, soul searching and rebuilding this relationship with his son. And it's really great to hear that his son is also uh, very, um, is also still so uh, close to The Undertaker and that it really hasn't damaged the relationship at all. That he had a real understanding son and knew what the everything else was going on around him uh, with his dad providing a, uh, a stable life and environment for him. And Undertaker just talked about the current product, how he feels like uh, the superstars lack uh, character, uh, that there are some superstars, like he names Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, uh, Randy Orton, uh, that these superstars know what it's like to be a character and to showcase uh, what he calls grit, to get people involved into their character, into what they're storytelling in the matches. He says a lot of times, and this is something reiterated by Brock Lesnar, reiterated by Roman Reigns, reiterated by a lot of superstars, that a lot of superstars take it for granted uh, being a WWE superstar, being a professional wrestler, that they don't put enough effort into their character and getting people involved and fascinated with the product. And that's what Undertaker was just reiterating here, that it's a different generation. And he knows that. He says it's a better generation making not stupid mistakes that his generation made. Instead of, you know, focusing on fights and taking matters into their own hands, you know, they're actually talking their problems out. They're actually focusing on what the issues are at hand. They're not living a reckless lifestyle. And he applauds them for this. Uh, he also says that, but you can't only focus on that. You have to focus on your character work. And that's where the grit comes in and making your character seem larger than life. Something that fans can look up to and fans can focus on and, you know, suspend that era of disbelief and imagination. So um, that's basically the things he's touched on. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's basically the things he touched on during these podcasts. And it's really nothing new, nothing new that we haven't heard before. Um, Michelle McCool and him both posted about being a part of, of the Medal of Honor groundbreaking ceremony for the Medal of Honor uh, Museum. And of course, the uh, all the episodes of WWE Evil dropped on Undertaker's birthday. Uh, and of course, I, w I watched the Brothers of Destruction episode between Undertaker and Kane. And it's fascinating, as always. As I've always said, and as Kane and I-10 and myself have said as well, that the Undertaker and Kane story is the best piece of storytelling that the WWE has ever done. And to have them 
uh, have all these layers to the story of Undertaker being this unstoppable monster until it's actually his brother who is able to stop him. But then Undertaker is focused on the dilemma of promising his parents not to fight his flesh and blood and then being pushed over the edge at WrestleMania and then fo- and then pushed even further at Unforgiven in the Infernal match. But then they fight each other in such a way that they become closer as brothers, be- form the tag team as the Brothers of Destruction, and become an even more fierce and menacing evil duo paired together. And that's something, you know, um, that's WWE Evil reiterates, and it's something that me and Canaanite 10 took a look back all throughout 1998 and Undertaker and Kane's matches, that you know the the storytelling and the layers are added with each and every match. Uh, you know, our Undertaker and Kane and Cahoots. Is Undertaker? You know, he's is he the mastermind behind burning the funeral home to the ground, having Paul Bear as Kane's father, turning on Kane again at um, the uh, Judgment Day. You know, it's all these layers pieced together to form a magnificent story. And that's where this uh, WWE Evil really focuses on, that they are they are the most diabolical wrestlers to, uh, on their own, but they're even more evil and more focused on destruction together. And if you have not seen that episode yet, I I highly recommend taking a look back at uh, taking a look at this documentary piece because WWE documentaries are done the best and this is no different i can i also heard that undertaker is in the stephanie mcmahon episode so i will definitely be watching that this weekend and i'll be talking about that next week on the special hall of fame uh pre-show and um and next week also i will be having the hall of fame reaction video as well so that is the news for the week um Hopefully have some more Undertaker figure news for you next week with Mattel's reveals. And of course next week you have the Hall of Fame and uh, everything else surrounding it there. Uh, oh yeah, one other piece of Undertaker merchandise news. The WWE shop is apparently releasing retro t-shirts of The Undertaker every day. They have released the uh, Dark Days with The Undertaker with lightning coming out of his fingers from 1998. They have See You on the Other Side from 1997 or 1998 as well. Um, a retro first Undertaker t-shirt. And just released this afternoon was the uh, Undertaker See You in Hell long sleeve t-shirt. So you know I'll be grabbing all of those because I love retro t-shirts for not the retro t-shirt price. And it'd be just great to sport those, um, you know, wherever I can, just to show, like, retro Undertaker Attitude Era pride. Uh, But that is it for Undertaker News of the Week. Let us get into weekly purchases where I dig up the dead man. Welcome to Weekly Purchases. Weekly Purchases, that's where I talk about what has come through the mail by way of USPS, UPS, FedEx by way of eBay, Macari, or if I found anything in the stores. Now, this week in weekly purchases, um, the main thing I got, you know, basically 
you know, I, I pick I was able to get the top picks basic from Walmart. Uh, so glad to add that to my collection to pair with the top picks elite from earlier. Um, and also I uh, got a better condition superstar collection uh, seven pack. Uh, I don't know I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I finally found a better condition one that I wanted to upgrade the upgrade the one I got previously. So the basic top picks came in, the Superstar Collection 7-pack came in, but the main thing that came in is if you have saw on my Instagram uh, earlier this evening was the Microbendums keychain. And the reason why that one is so interesting, so special, is because of how rare the thing is. Uh, you heard me talk about the microbendums on the show before. You hear it being the bane of my existence and the bane of Canaanite 10's existence when he joins me on our watch-alongs. We always end up talking about microbendums. It is because they released so many different variants, so many different items under the microbendums umbrella that it's almost impossible to have a complete collection of this. Uh, they have different rings, they have different steel cage ring sets, they have different uh, body slam, neck wrenches, Royal Rumble sets, so many different uh, pairings and variants of these figures, uh, including The Undertaker and all these different types of sets, catalog sets, mail-away sets, it is ridiculous. But not only that, they released magnets and keychains as well. Well... I have never seen the Undertaker magnet version, and I have never seen the Undertaker keychain version until last week, where I was fortunate enough to stumble across the Undertaker keychain, um, just just there on eBay, labeled Undertaker Micro Bendem keychain uh, for a steal of a price, actually forty bucks for something that I thought I would never find, something I thought was rarer than hell. Uh, because nobody ever talks about these things. Nobody ever talks about the microbendums, keychains, or magnets. Because I think they were only released in like dollar stores or dollar generals that were very rare, very scarce, released at the tail end of the microbendums collection. So it was not released uh, very high, a lot of quantities. So that's why these things are so rare. So when you are able to find things that you think you'll never find, I highly recommend jumping on it, making an offer, contacting the seller, see if you can get a deal, because that's what I did. You always got to get a deal. I waited until I think it was originally priced at $100, and I think I, I waited it out to see until he dropped it well below asking price, 40 bucks, and he had a sale, he had a sale like within a couple days of me watching it. Because I can see it said originally listed at $99. I watched it and he like dropped the price significantly in a couple days to $40. And I said, that's it. I'm jumping on this. I'm taking it. It's a sign. And it came It came so mint. I am so glad to add this to my collection. And hopefully it is a step in the right direction in getting many more microbendums checked off my checklist. Hopefully I can find that magnet one day. Um, but I am glad to add this into my collection this week. And like I ask of you, Creatures of the Night, each and every week, to please 
show me what you have picked up, what you have collected this week in terms of Undertaker, or anything else that you collect. You know, um, write to me on Instagram or on Twitter and show me what you picked up in the mail or in the stores this week because that's what joins us together as Undertaker fans and as figure collectors is the thrill of the hunt, the gotta get a deal, and see what you have added to your collection this week as well. Um, but that is it for weekly purchases. But uh, we go on now to Taker's Mark, where I continue my top five countdown of favorite Undertaker matches. Taker's Mark. For the past couple weeks, I've been starting the top five countdown of my favorite Undertaker matches um, to coincide with ending next week with my number one favorite Undertaker match to rewatch, to enjoy um, on his, the day of his Hall of Fame induction. Now, I have talked about him winning the World Wrestling Federation Championship at WrestleMania 13 against Cycle Sid. I have talked about the fully loaded first blood match against Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I have talked about the classic Hell in the Cell match at SummerSlam 2008 against Edge. Well, we are in the final two here. And coming in at number two is one of my all-time favorite matches, one of my dad's all-time favorite matches. And this is the match I always show friends or people I want to have... Uh, be introduced to The Undertaker for the first time. And that match is the Inferno match against Kane. Uh, the first ever Inferno match at Unforgiven in your house. Um, the Undertaker and Kane's second meeting where they had to take it even to the next level from the WrestleMania encounter. And the reason why it's number two is because the imagery is everything. The flames how the flames would shoot up with every move that Undertaker and Kane did, the uh, jump, the plancha jump over the ropes, over the flames onto Kane and Vader, Undertaker attacking Paul Bearer with the musical instruments, the, the story of Undertaker and Kane surrounded by flames, flames that built this whole story, of uh, the funeral home burning to the ground, of Cain being rescued by Paul Bearer, that Flames being the catalyst in the story, being the one responsible for burning another brother again, or for the first time. And you have this, will Undertaker be the one set on fire this time? Will Cain be unset on fire again? And you just had this back and forth with this amazing storytelling in the match. You have Undertaker and Kane brawling with each other, giving them their all. The old school on Kane with the flames shooting up is that the image is amazing. How they pulled this off, how they were able to fight and fire with it burning up the oxygen is beyond me how they did it. But I love this match. I love showing it to friends and people who are interested in The Undertaker getting them accustomed to him for the first time. And I always show them this match is because this match embodies The Undertaker. Because you have the storyline of Kane. You have Paul Bearer at ringside. You have Undertaker's classic moves being hit on Kane. You have the imagery of the fire and the flames. And of course, the closing moments when Undertaker is able to set Kane's arm on fire and Undertaker is declared the winner. The... the 
the last image of him doing the Shakespeare pose in the flames with the purple lighting and him standing up with his eyes rolled back. I remember seeing that on the Phenom VHS tape. I, when I, I talked about how much I loved the VHS tape of the Phenom documentary and just wearing that VHS out. Well, I loved watching the Infernal Match section of that tape. Just my imagination was captured by this match. And just having those flames and the image of Undertaker victorious or surrounded by them, uh, it's just, you know, it's, I, you can't put it into words of how awesome this match is. And if you have not seen it, and if you have not seen it for a long time, please go back and watch it this weekend. It is an amazing, it's not an amazing wrestling match, put it that way. It's an amazing match for what it is. It's a storytelling match. It captures your imagination, and it's everything you need out of this feud at this time. Because Kane has been make, Kane has been egging the Undertaker on. Kane has been Undertaker's catalyst for the past five or six months. Finally, Undertaker was able to put Kane barely down at WrestleMania before being attacked after the match. And this is Undertaker's way of telling Kane that enough's enough. Because if you keep crossing the Reaper, you're gonna get burned again. And just that image of Undertaker watching Kane uh, on fire run to the back is it put it totally in, uh, encapsulates this feud. So Unforgiven in your house, the first ever Infernal match clocks in at number two of my favorite Undertaker match of all time. And next week I'll be talking about my favorite Undertaker match of all time. It may be a surprise to some of you, it may not be. But this is Undertaker match. I just love watching, love enjoying again and again, and I'll always love to rewatch it just because of how fun it is, how interesting it is, and of how great The Undertaker looks in it. Uh, but that, of course, is reserved for next week's episode on uh, the Day of the Hall of Fame. And next week's going to be a very special episode, a retrospective of why I'm a fan of The Undertaker, uh, how The Undertaker made me a fan my fandom, uh, basically a harken back to the first episode of this podcast because, you know, it's Undertaker's special day. He's going in the Hall of Fame. And so I thought it'd be only fitting that next week is just, there's going to be, there's not going to be a Buried Alive segment next week. It's going to be probably my favorite Undertaker figure segment next week. It's going to be just a showcase of why I'm a fan of his and uh, why it's just a special day for all the creatures of the night worldwide. Uh, but until then, there is a Buried Alive segment this week, and let's get right to it. Now, Buried Alive, that's a segment where I take a weird or what-the-f piece of Undertaker merchandise drag it down to hell, and bury it alive onto the ash heap of Undertaker merchandise history. Now this week is going to be um, another action figure, another Jax action figure, but it's something different because of the things that are also in the set along with The Undertaker. And what I'm talking about is the Treacherous Trio's three-pack of Randy Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton, and The Undertaker. Uh, the reason why I'm burying this alive is because 
Um, the Undertaker figure is, of course, it's total jacks uh, of how they did people with entrance cloaks and jackets on The Undertaker. Uh, they have Randy Orton in wrestling gear. Great. You have Cowboy Bob Orton in gear that he wore during this feud. Awesome. You have Undertaker in an entrance cloak and hat. There's something missing there. The Undertaker, in my opinion, should have been in wrestling gear here. It's fine to have the head scan with the eyes rolled back. It's fine. I don't care. But to have him in his entrance cloak and his hat take something away from this figure. Because, you know, if you're going to fight Randy Orton and Cowboy Bob Orton and you're figure fed, you want to have an Undertaker that looks like the Undertaker when he's fighting matches. And Jax was notorious for painting the arms of these figures black, like jacket sleeves, and having only a removable jacket, but not removable arm sleeves, like a cloth jacket. So that always that always got on my nerves when, when they would release Undertaker entrance attire figures with really an entrance attire that's not removable. The jacket itself is only removable, but if you take that away, you still have an Undertaker with black jacket sleeves, not the tattooed arms. So he looks weird fighting in a match. If you have a figure fed, or you know, if you want to display him differently, or if you want to take off the cloak, you really can't. And that's where this Treacherous Trios 3-pack falls into place, with not only the Undertaker fi figure being a total mess-up, but also the Cowboy Bob Orton figure as well. Uh, they made him really young looking, which he was not at this feud in 2005. They made him incredibly fit and skinny, uh, which he was not in 2005. And they didn't even give him his iconic cast on his hand. You know, I, there's some little things that are missing in these in this uh, three pack. Uh, the Randy Orton figure still has the baby face evolution Randy Orton head scan instead of the more serious um, legend killer head scan that they would release in the uh, cell playset with the Undertaker figure. Um, I figured that Randy Orton scan would have been much better suited for this three pack instead of that evolution baby face uh, head scan that they gave Randy Orton here. Um, the Undertaker, I figured they could have done so much with this. They could have done the full beard version like we get in Armageddon. Uh, they could have given us a Undertaker in wrestling gear instead of the entrance cloak and the painted jacket sleeves. And they could have given us a far better Cowboy Bob Orton figure instead of, you know, instead of looking like Cowboy Bob from the 1980s. So that is why the Treacherous Trio... Uh, Orton's versus Undertaker 3-pack is unfortunately buried alive this week. Uh, it is a 3-pack I do not yet own. I do not yet own any of the Treacherous Trios, as a matter of fact. They are very hard to come by, even harder to come by in mint condition. So if anybody out there has a great lead on a mint condition Treacherous Trios 3-packs that include the Undertaker, definitely send it my way, as I am always looking for great deals on things I do not yet have in my collection. But that is it for episode 54 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Uh, audio issues aside, as I was notified halfway through this recording that my microphone has malfunctioned. So hopefully I don't sound too bad uh, while you're listening to this on your pod preferred podcast platform. Um, 
But next week, it will be a very special episode, uh, very an episode dedicated to my fandom of The Undertaker, why I'm a fan, what has made me a fan, what has kept me a fan for over 25 years of his. And like I said, there will be no Buried Alive segment next week. It will be a segment dedicated to my favorite Undertaker figures, my favorite pieces of Undertaker merchandise. It's just going to be a very... Um, a uh, very um, pro-Undertaker episode of why I'm a fan and what has kept me a fan for so long. Uh, I thought it would be only fitting for that. Uh, of course, you get my number one Undertaker match of all time and uh, my reactions as we lead up to that eventual Hall of Fame induction uh, later on in that evening and the Hall of Fame uh, reaction video uh, reaction uh, episode uh, that will be dropping the, the next day. So thank you again, Creatures of the Night, for joining me here. Um, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a rating and review. And follow me on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan and on Twitter at CollectUpDead. And just thank you for enjoying this ride with me. I'll be back next week, same Taker time, same Taker channel. And make sure to keep an eye out for those watch-alongs dropping this weekend and early next week. And as we head down this road towards Death Valley, as always, keep on rolling, baby. Until next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling. <laughs>